1: What's up, everyone? It's the love, the jam, the podcast coming to you, as always, with Rob. How you doing, Rob?
0: I'm doing not so great. Today was a, a real bad sports day for me, actually. Uh, Michigan lost at home to MSU, which is, you know, they're our second biggest rival, if not our biggest. And then oh. the Clippers got clobbered in Denver in one of the ugliest performances they've had all year. So I'm personally doing fine, but it was it was a rough morning and afternoon of watching sports.
1: That sounds like a sad day. Well, that's a bummer. Um the Clippers have not been doing so well. Uh by the way, that was a song that I wrote a long time ago. I hope you guys like it. <laughs> and you'll hear a little bit more of it at the end of the show. Um yeah, that's cool. <laughs> the Clippers on the other hand, wrote a pretty sad song today. They lost to the Denver Nuggets in Denver. What kind of felt like a carbon copy of their last game in Denver. I'll be real. I was working today. I was watching the box score of this game, hoping I'd be able to catch the end of it. And I did get off of work in time to see the fourth quarter, but they were getting blown out um, mercilessly. I didn't really feel like watching that, even though I do like watching some of our lesser tier players get minutes in garbage time. I didn't really feel like watching the Clippers get their get their bags handed to them on their way out of Denver. Can you talk about this game a little bit, Rob? Uh, What did you think about this game? I know there's not much to say, but all things considered, this was a pretty sad game. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the first half, they actually played solid. They weren't great, obviously. I think they were trailing by eight going into the third quarter, but that was mostly just because they were missing shots. They were down 64 to 56. 64 is a lot of points to give up. It's not like completely outrageous. And 56, you know, was solid. It's Considering they're on the road, early afternoon game in Denver against a really good team, Mile High City, not a bad outcome, especially considering I think they were 0 for 9 from 3 in the first half. Things were actually looking okay as long as they would start hitting shots in the second half, but they didn't hit shots. They were 3 for 12, so better, but not by much in the second half. And... Everything else that they'd done decently in the first half completely came apart. They rebounded okay in the first half, got destroyed on the glass in the second half. Defense just collapsed, and mm. it was, yeah, it was ugly. The third quarter was really, really continue here for the Clippers. The third quarter, yeah. they are scored 33 to 21. And yeah, that's really where the game was decided. The fourth quarter was just very much extended garbage time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Clippers. I think cut the lead to 14 at one point with seven or eight minutes left, but they they never had any chance of winning this game after like the midpoint in the third quarter. It was very rough. And on Twitter afterwards, the only player who I shouted out was Lou Williams as being positive. Jamichael Green and Gallinari were okay um, for various points of the game. And that's it. It, After that, it was a wasteland.
1: Well, well, This is the first game I haven't really seen in a while, and I don't think I'm really excited to watch it. I don't know if I'm going to watch this game. The third quarter was continue. The first quarter, you know, it, they wouldn't get outscored by too much, but they did get outscored. The Nuggets are obviously one of the elite teams in the NBA. Should we read much about the starters and the starters mix? I think we were all kind of high on this mix of Clippers and the starters. Um, but, you know, they still got behind by quite a bit early in the third quarter, and it, it pretty much did them in. Should we worry about the mix of these starters? Like, what do we what do we think about the starting lineup right now? Is this the right
0: mix for us? I don't think so. I think Doc is really scrambling. We'll get to Twitter questions a little later. One of the questions is about Doc rotations being set in stone. If anything, I think he's probably experimenting too much instead of just sticking to what, the stats and the lineup data says is good, which is that Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell are both really good, and they need to be. Their minutes need to be maximized, and them playing off the bench just doesn't quite do that. Having the best bench in the NBA is, you know, very cool. It's nice to have those stats and to be the best scoring bench in, you know, thirty years or however long it is. But the Clippers continually find themselves down in the first and third quarters because their starting lineup just isn't that good. And they, I don't think they even fit that well. The only player in that starting lineup who I think should absolutely 100% have a spot is Danilo Gallinari. I'd say if anything, Pat Beverly. If their playoffs are the ultimate goal, Pat Beverly is probably the second guy who should be in there. But after that, I, you know, as much as I love Shea, and, which is a lot, <laughs> um, <laughs> if they really want to make the playoffs, I'm not sure if he should be starting. The problem is, I think he should be starting because I think his development and the young guys in general is more important than making the playoffs. That, again, gets into another Twitter question. But I just... I don't like his fit with Beverly particularly well. I don't think the Beverly, Shea, Zubats lineup is very good. On defense, it's better than the one with Gortat because Zubats is better than Gortat defensively. But he still has a lot of the same weaknesses there. And he's still just as kind of ineffective on offense unless he's getting spoon-fed buckets. Yes, he's younger than Gortot, so he's a bit better at rolling to the rim and he's able to finish a bit stronger, but he also can't create any offense. He's a horrible passer. He really can't read the court at all. And it just does not help the team spacing, especially when Shea is not hitting those little jumpers. You have two guys who just can't really score that much, especially, you know, with the ball in their hands. And that really limits things. Honestly, you can throw Pat Beverly in there too because he doesn't really look to score much and his three-point shot has kind of waned as of late. So really that leaves Gallinari and then Shamit running off screens. And Shamit's good, but he is a rookie. And the past couple games, we've seen teams really game plan to take away those little screens and he hasn't proven able to shake himself. He didn't really get any clean threes today. He had a couple nice pull up jumpers where the guys ran him off the three and he got that looks, but he was mostly invisible. He played 29 minutes. I barely noticed he was on the court. And if he's like that and everybody else is, you know, even at their normal levels, especially if Shea's having an off game, they just can't do anything offensively. And that really, it was the story today. They just couldn't get anything done. Shea was getting blocked at the rim. His jump shots weren't falling. Beverly was getting chased off the three-point line. Shamit was getting crowded, and it was all on Gallinari. And Gallo's good, but he's not that good. So hmm. I think changes have to be made. Uh, what, what would you suggest? I mean, I think at this point the obvious move is to put Trez in at, at the starting lineup instead of Zubats for more offense and, and honestly probably better defense, at least in terms of switchability. But I don't know. What do you think? It's
1: really tough because, like you said, I think the development of the young guys is the most important thing on this team. I think particularly the development of Shea Gildas Alexander is the most important thing on this team. I value that more than wins at this point, honestly. And uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say. I want the team desperately to make the playoffs, particularly like a seventh seed. I want them really badly to get a seventh seed and above. If they get an eighth seed, then ho-hum. That's not the worst thing. Maybe they can steal a game against the Warriors. But ultimately, I, I really do want them to get maybe a seventh seed if they can. I I would love that. But more than anything, I want Shea to play. I want Shea and Shamit. I want to see if they can play together yeah. and how well they can play together. That's my number one priority on this team. Um, after that, you know, is wins. Um, I do also want to debug debug Zubat, uh, quite a bit, um, because I think he is a piece for the future and everything else, you know, honestly, is kind of secondary. I think Lou Williams and Montres Harrell will get their minutes regardless of whether they start, stop or start, um, come off the bench or start, um, Gallo obviously is too good of a player to not get minutes. But my biggest thing is I want those three young guys to get minutes. That Zubat only plays, you know, about half the game or a little bit less for Trez is completely understandable. But I want him to be able to start and play a little bit with Shea and Shamit uh, to see if they have anything together in that sense. But more importantly than anything, I want to see if Shea and Shamit can play together. So those two obviously I think I would I would still want those two starting. Gallinari as well. Beverly and Zubat, um I think I like Zubat as a starter still because I really like the synergy between Harold and Lou. Um so I can understand the idea of starting Trez and then maybe mixing and matching so that Trez gets quite a bit of minutes with Lou still while also playing mm-hmm. a bit with the starters maybe pulling Trez early uh maybe at the you know 6 or so minute mark and then bringing in Lou you know a little bit later and then bringing Trez in to start the second quarter something like that where they can they can really utilize their minutes together um but I definitely think Trez and Lou have some you know, we've seen the stats, and I think you had a Twitter uh, post not that long ago that showed that Trez and Lou were in like the top six or, or so in the league as far as points to each other and pick and rolls and assists. Yeah. It's incredible, and it's not as surprising for us, but it would absolutely be surprising to anybody that doesn't watch this team. So, I think there is a synergy idea of having those two play together, and that's still kind of ultimately off the bench. Now, the issue with starting Shea and Landry and Zubat is I think the Clippers, that's a very inexperienced squad. Uh, Shea makes mistakes. Shamet definitely makes mistakes, especially defensively. Yes. And so does Zubat. Zubat doesn't – often Zubat picks up the ball, dribbles a little bit, makes bad passes, doesn't know exactly where to go. He looks kind of lost at times, like he doesn't know the playbook, which is reasonable. Um, so with those three, if we give them minutes together as starters – I feel like the end result will be losses that we might otherwise not get if we play Lou more minutes, Beverly more minutes, uh, Trez more minutes. You know, even some of these veteran subs like Temple and Green, and eventually Chandler and uh, Mute, if he ever if he exists. I don't even know if Luke exists at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think but. we can write off
0: Luke. I think yeah. Wilson Chandler is interesting because mm-hmm. from what we know of Doc and his history with veterans and guys who have proven themselves is that Wilson Chandler will probably start at some point this season. And I just wonder who that will be for, you know, I think any one of Shea, Pat or Shamit could go to the bench for Wilson Chandler. And in terms of long-term development, I agree with you that it should probably be Beverly and you insert Chandler there uh, alongside Gallo and Zubat. The problem with that is I think that would be a very bad defensive lineup. Chandler isn't horrible, but he's definitely more of a four now. I just don't think he can cover threes. Right. And taking out Beverly, who's, you know, the best defender in the starting unit, maybe Gallo is, but Beverly's certainly the, the leader and the, the energizer there. Would just make, It would probably improve the offense a little bit, but it would tank the defense. So I do wonder if it might not be Shamit or Shea that goes to the bench when Chandler returns and just how that will affect the rest of the lineups and how that will affect the young guy's confidence. I don't know, but I do think Chandler will play a legitimate role. And I do think he will start at some point, maybe not right away as he learns the team and playbook and whatever, but I bet he will, you know, start. I still think as much as I love the Lutres combination, the the, the best way to get offense and, even a little playmaking really with how Trez has improved at reading the floor is to get Trez in there for Zubats. I like Zubats, but he's not nearly as promising or as important to me as Shamit and Shea, especially Shea, but even Shamit has already shown me a lot more than Zubats has. Zubats is older. He's also sneakily in his third season. He's a restricted free agent this summer. And while Mm -hmm. I know the Clippers would like to keep him, if some team makes him a big offer, I mean, he might not even be on the team next year. Barring a trade for, like, a star player, Shamit and Shea are going to be Clippers for at least next year and probably years to come. So while I like Zubots and, you know, the trade was an absolute steal, even with his, you know, his rough outings the past couple games, I still, they absolutely stole him from the Lakers. It was an amazing trade. But I don't think his development should really be prioritized that much over winning. I think Shea and Shamit should be. But... At some point, I mean, I think Trez just has to start. If you have to bring in Lou early and play him with Trez or take Trez out early, that's probably the real solution and put in Zubots at, you know, seven or eight minute mark and then bring Harold back in either alongside Zubots, which could maybe work against some teams or just, you know, stagger them, you know, maybe more in four or five minute clips instead of big 10 to 11 minute blocks. I'm not sure. But I don't think benching Beverly is the answer, and I really don't want to bench Shea or Shamit. And obviously, it's not Gallo. So to me, it's Zubats. Um, But, you know, again, I I don't know how much of a difference that will make. I mean, I think the real solution of fixing the starting lineup is just to start Lou. But I think that works a lot better theoretically than practically because he's Mm -hmm. so comfortable off the bench. And his defense is less exposed against starters, even though he plays so many of his wins against starters anyway. But I just think it has to be Trez. And, you know, I like Zubats, but he still projects to me as basically a rotation center. And Shea projects as a well above average starter, potential star. Shamit, I think, could be that JJ Redick type of fringe all-star as well. Again, that's reading a lot into them. Neither one of them might not pan out that way, but I just I don't see that kind of upside or promise for Zubots and that's not even right. counting the free agency this summer. So I'd probably move him to the bench, but that just makes them even more undersized and getting hit on the glass hard enough. So I don't know if that would even help. It would it would hurt the defense probably, but at least it would cure the offense. I'm not sure. Uh what did you think about the rest of the rotation, I guess. I mean we're still seeing a little bit of tie walls but not very much Jerome Robinson and Jonathan Motley have hit the bench after playing in the rotation for a handful of games in January, I believe. What do you think about everything else? I mean, I think the rest of the rotation is fine. I think, you know, Green and Temple deserve to get minutes as long as the Clippers are trying to win. Mm -hmm. And... Ty is, is better than Jerome, if anything, I still want Ty to get more minutes, but I'm not sure where there where those would come from, but how yeah, like how have you liked the other guys? I guess this would be more about Green and temple so far.
1: I like green i I liked him even even when he disappointed in that first game. I saw a lot of potential for him. He has a he's not particularly respected as a three point shooter so he's not like he's stretching the defense too much, but he can hit that shot, which has been nice to nice to see uh temple. Temple is also like a nice utility guy. I don't think he's obviously shown maybe his, his utility, (laughs) but I do good
0: defense tonight. It wasn't great. It was good defense. Mm -hmm. His offense has been pretty rough. I like some of the cuts he's made He's he's good at cutting back door and just off ball in general, but his shot has not been there. Mm -hmm. And he's demonstrated a, a shocking and disappointing resemblance to Avery Bradley a couple of times on these pull-up jumpers. I mean, maybe it's just the sets that the Clippers have in their playbook for their shooting guard or or their off-ball wings. But he had one today that was straight out of the Bradley. He came off a screen in the corner and there were like 15 seconds on the shot clock. He did a, you know, it it turned into like a pick and roll. He came off the screen and just launched like a 20 footer right inside the three-point line and clanked it. And it was horrible. Okay. um you know on the whole i think his defense is better than bradley's because he's more versatile and he's definitely smarter offensively but uh he's not been great so far green i thought was probably the clipper's second best player today which is not saying a heck of a lot mm-hmm. um but i think he's played pretty well um yeah i don't i don't know I mean, do yeah. you talk about that, that grizzlies game at all by the way since we brought up avery bradley
1: yeah, I mean, Avery Bradley, seven point, seventeen point score, Avery Bradley, 30 plus point score in previous game. <laughs> Avery Bradley, you're not running me the right way, Clippers, Avery Bradley. You um, played pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had some shots. I thought that I was afraid the Grizzlies were going to go on a run, and it was would be because of Avery Bradley. So kudos, to Avery Bradley. I still think you're a pretty trash player, but you played pretty well that game um, in what was a pretty big game against the, against this old team. So that was a good game. I mean, I thought it was a bad game. I thought the Clippers, aside from that stretch in the second quarter, uh, the first and second quarter with their bench, and their bench looked amazing, by the way. For a good, like, six or so minutes, everything was was clicking for the bench. They were moving the ball incredibly, like, not mm-hmm. even dribb- dribbling the ball, just Really, really good bench performance for a few minutes, but aside from that, it was a pretty poor game. The Grizzlies are a pretty much a G League team with with Mike Conley right now, and they came all the way back and you know almost won this game. So I didn't really get too much from the game. The team looked kind of sluggish and sloppy, like they were playing the first game they played in uh, in so many in so many game in so many days. You know, an interesting trend uh, to me is the fact that the crunch time lineup seems to be Gallinari, Beverly, Shamit, Lou, and Trez. Yeah. And I don't like it. I don't like it. But at the same time, I don't like it, period. And this is coming (laughs) from a Shea Gildress Alexander fan. At the same time, you can theoretically understand it. You know, they're playing... They're pretty much playing everything around the Lou um, Mm Williams-Trez pick and roll. And they're trying to spread the floor otherwise. The Boston Celtic game was a great example of this. The fact that, you know, Trez played the short role and just passed the shooters. That's pretty much what they want to do. And Shamit is more ideal in that corner spot that they constantly put Shea in than Shea. So, like, I definitely think Shea should be playing, especially if Shaman's shot isn't isn't going. But Shaman had like two in and out three pointers and one particularly in and out three pointer uh, that had he made, you know, it would have been. It would have justified Doc quite a bit more. He also got cooked all fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, it was and we, bad. And we, and we talked about this. Every score that the Grizzlies had had something to do with Shaman. And I'm not even joking. Like, he yeah. missed he missed rotations, got lost on screens, would, like, would like hedge a wrong way and just lose a guy entirely or get blown by a scrub Memphis guard, who I can't even remember the name of, the guy who wasn't coming. Avery smart. Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> <Here>. uh, <laughs> so he got, he got killed and I think that was really, I mean, we could see, it was some of his, we could see some of his flaws before that game, but that game really showed us how Shamit can get cooked. And they were attacking
0: was, him over and over. And it's not him. matter which yeah. guard was on him. He was absolutely.
1: They like it zeroed in on him. Like he was Carmelo Anthony or something. Like he, he yeah. was absolutely getting attacked and that was absolutely eye-opening. And while Shamit you know, is a frisky defender, I don't think he backs down. I don't think he's afraid. But I do think when he gets attacked like that on defense, he's a rookie. It's going to affect his confidence. And I felt like it did affect his confidence a little bit. So that was an inter- a very eye-opening thing. At the same time, like I kind of understood Doc playing playing Shamit down the stretch with the offense he was trying to work. Yeah. And is it simply just a day-by-day type of thing as, as far as Shea versus Shamit? Objectively in the fourth quarter do you just play who's feeling it yeah
0: I mean I think I think it really depends what you need I mean if Shamit is hot from three I think you kind of have to roll with him unless he's getting destroyed like he was in that Memphis game and even then I mean if he's cooking from three you probably live with the the defense but in games when he hasn't been hot or hasn't been able to get open like the last two games he still provides spacing sure because teams respect the shit out of him even though he's a rookie Mm -hmm. but You know, he doesn't offer really anything else. I mean, he doesn't rebound. He's, you know, he's not a horrible passer, but he's not a particularly good one. He's not somebody who's really going to create for others. His defense, he kind of has a nose for getting steals. He's good at making these little pokes. He had three steals today. Um, and, And I think in some ways his defense could end up being okay. Just if he's able to get steals and improve on help D a little bit, some of his other flaws aren't that big a deal. But, it was bad. The the Grizzlies game was bad. It like every single guard that the Clippers had, that, that the Grizzlies had that he tried to guard, they just get, put a run in a pick and roll, ran them off screens, and he could not do anything about it. I thought his defense was a little bit better against the Nuggets, but again, twenty-nine minutes he only had one assist, zero rebounds, so he really didn't contribute anything else. Shea only had one rebound too, and that's another reason why the two of them together is kind of iffy is from a rebounding perspective. Uh, even though they're both tall, they're they're weak, they're rookies, they're not going to be pulling down a ton of boards. Um, so yeah, that was kind of eye-opening from Shamit. And yeah, for the closing lineup, I think it's game to game. Like in the Grizzlies game, he wasn't hitting shots and his defense was atrocious. I would have gone with Shay Today, if the game had been close... Shea was just absolutely miserable in this game. It was probably his yeah. worst game of the season, I'd say, <laughs> at least offensively. I actually thought his defense was really good. He might have been the best Clippers defender in this one, but his offense was just horrible. He couldn't get anything to fall. He was forcing things. He had some really bad turnovers. And I probably would have gone with Shamit, even though he's invisible. At least he wasn't a negative. Um, but I think it's a game-by-game thing. But I think we've already seen that Doc trusts Shamit a little bit more just because yeah. of his pure shooting. Mm-hmm. um which is frustrating just because it's another barrier to Shea getting minutes and crunch time reps and everything but Clippers fans are already turning on Shea I got some oh. tweets today asking about you know Shea has been struggling and this and that and it's oh, it's depressing I'm not into it I'm <laughs> not into it at all
1: Chandler Parsons is really bad at basketball huh Jeez. Oh.
0: I Feel I honestly, even though he's rich and like very good looking, and I'm sure has lived <laughs> a marvelous life, I feel right. a little bit sorry for him. Like, I don't, you
1: know, at all. <laughs> Why would I? That like, I just robbed probably that Mark
0: Cuban. He's probably kind of a, a dick, so you know,
1: I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure, yeah, he doesn't seem like a guy I would want to hang out
0: with. Like,
1: granted, was- he's if I went to a club with him, he would
0: just get every girl, and I feel
1: depressed, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. He's he awful bad. at basketball. He can't move. It was so sad watching him play. And uh, yeah, it was almost, yeah, that guy yeah. used to be pretty good.
0: Yeah. And so, then today, the numbers yeah. I thought, were interestingly, for a lot of it, I didn't think they were that impressive. I think Millsap and Jokic just destroyed the Clippers. But big men, good big men just destroy the Clippers anyway. So, you know, I wasn't taking that with a grain of salt. But they are very deep. They have a lot of good players. Lou and Trez are better than any guys they have off their bench. But on the whole, I think their bench is probably better than the Clippers just because they actually play defense, and they're just more good players, if anything, than the Clippers uh, at this point. So, I mean, that could change when Chandler and Lou come back as adding more depth. But the Nuggets look pretty good. The Grizzlies, I'm so glad they got that win, even though they did not play well. I mean, the Grizzlies are not good. They're missing like three of their four or five best players yeah. And they're just full-on tanking. So that was a win they needed. The, the Nuggets game was a schedule loss. Um yeah. I don't really have too much else to say about that. I think we're probably going to look at the schedule ahead and then take some Twitter questions. I don't know. Do you have anything else rotation-wise or uh, about these past two games you wanted
1: to discuss? Not not particularly. I mean, it, there's so many questions with this rotation as far as do the Clippers want to win now and versus yeah, yeah. develop their young guys. I feel like they're kind of open-ended, and whatever you want kind of just shows what direction you want the team to be in. I totally understand the idea of starting Trez over Zubat, and uh, maybe that is the way to go uh, for the team. I am interested in Zubat's potential as a starter just in general, but, like, I don't know. I, I think that that might be the most obvious injection of life into this starting lineup. And and it showed. Like, the the Clippers did start – they started Trez in a game where they started pretty well. What was it? The Spurs game, right? And they started that game pretty well and played – and Trez played well and yeah. – uh, so it's already shown that he can he can thrive as a starter. So, kind of interesting to see what decisions Doc might make because this these these uh, third quarter and first quarters are just getting really, really tiresome and it's going to hurt this team. So, I think that's about it. Oh, Joakim Noah too, twelve of twelve from the line. Um, as good
0: crazy.
1: as as good as Montrez was, and he was fantastic that game. You know, Noah just showed like that pure kind of size. It's yep. just hard for Trez to overcome. And Zubat actually had some big rebounds in that fourth mm-hmm. quarter to the point where I was like, should we just start? Should we just play this guy down the stretch? Because he had some big rebounds, including that one rebound where he seemed to go over the, ba- over the back. And the Grizzlies fans reminded me why I hated them so much. It was just like an onslaught of boos. And I was like, geez, guys, relax. It's okay. It was probably not a great call, but...
0: Yeah, yeah, Trez's lack of size was also really exposed today. Right. He started off the game very well the first quarter. I think he might have had all eight of his points in the first quarter, actually. Wow. Definitely in the first half, but I think, honestly, all of them might have come in the first quarter. And after that, Jokic and Millsap just stifled him. And he only played 16 minutes because he had five fouls. But they attacked him on, on offense and on defense and just stifled him on offense. It was it was a rough outing. It was probably one of his worst games since Lou was out earlier in, in December when he had that down downstretch. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, looking at the schedule ahead, four games this upcoming week. It's a big week. And it's kind of a tough schedule. I mean, they play Dallas tomorrow. It is at home, finally, after a pretty lengthy set of road games. But it's obviously second night of a back-to-back. The Mavericks are... You know they're solid. Doncic and Kleba, who legitimately might be their two best players, are. I mean, Doncic definitely is, but Maxi Kleba like might be their second best player. Right. Uh, yeah. They're both questionable, and if they're both out, or if even one of them is out, I think that has to be, you know, that has to be a win. Even with both of them playing, the Clippers should win that. Uh, but the Mavericks are good. It's the second night of a back to back. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst loss in the world, but it would not be great. Wednesday. Very tough game at Utah. Uh, Go Bear is yeah. I mean, Go Bear is going to destroy them on both ends. It's it's going to be grisly. Um, and then after that, Friday at Sacramento again. the, the Kings are good. Honestly, the Kings, the Kings are good. They're <laughs> yeah. better than the Clippers. They're better I, I than I the
1: Clippers. They're better than the Lakers. They're better than the Spurs. Man, like the Kings are legit. Like yeah, I, I mean, would be the, kind of surprised
0: if they miss the playoffs at this point. Go ahead. I I kind of would be too. But if anything. The reason why they wouldn't is because the Clippers have beaten them all three times they've played this year. Now, a lot of that was Tobias Harris, who the Kings had no answer for. And with Tobias gone and Harrison Barnes on their team now, they now have a better counter for Gallo, and there's no Harris, so the, the Clippers don't have two full big forwards who the Kings can't guard. I would not be surprised if the Clippers lost that one either. And then Sunday is home against the the Knicks, which is you know obviously a must win. The Knicks are trash, (laughs) and they're winning. They're
1: beating the Spurs right now, though.
0: I know, which could be that's. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's only eleven points. The Spurs are crawling back, but uh, I mean, I think they have to win Dallas and New York. Actually, I retract what I said about Dallas. They have to win that game. Um, They need to win those two games. They're at home. They're at you know. A mediocre at best team with Dallas a very shitty team with the Knicks and then you know at Utah and at Sacramento are tough if they can pull off that Sacramento game that might be the clinch in a playoff spot I mean obviously there's quite a bit of season left but if that's a huge swing if they went that they already clinched the season series obviously but I mean that's still you know a full game flop between those two teams and it's going to be tough. I mean, they do have a day of rest. It's not a super long flight from Salt Lake City to Sacramento either. So it's not like a horrible scheduled day for them, but just Sacramento's good. They're just, they're a better team than the Clippers are, I think. And and a lot yeah. of the matchup issues are gone. What do you think happens this week? I'm going to say two and two with Dallas and New York, though it would not shock me if they lost one of the easy games and then somehow won the Sacramento game.
1: Yeah, kind of like they did uh, with that win in miami and yeah. uh, the loss against the hawks um it's tough i don't i think they go two and two the the mavericks are also playing their third game and fourth four nights even mm. though they're not coming off a back-to-back so there's a hope that they're also a little bit tired though you know if, if Doncic comes back he'll be fairly fresh um I do think they go two and two. They should win that Mavericks game, even with Luka back. They should win that Nick game. The Utah game is the fourth game in six nights. So that's mm. – even though they have a day off in between uh, on the 25th, 26th, 27th, that's still a pretty – they're going to have some tired legs probably in that, that Utah game. And it's also the whole um, – they're going from Denver to Dallas back to Utah. So they have to deal with all that um, – Uh, all that home court cooking that Denver and Utah both have, and the altitude and all that jazz. (laughs) So, And Utah is just a bad matchup for them. So I have a feeling that they're going to lose that game. I think they're going to lose that game convincingly. Um, I think they're going to play the Kings tight, but I I think the Kings will win. I think the Kings are going to be really up to play the Clippers after losing three games against them, where they came back in all three games, I want to say. So... The Kings are really good. I love watching them. They're just a fun team. I love Fox. I think Bagley is a beast. I've been watching them more and more. I really enjoy Bagley and Buddy Healed. I love these guards that run off screens and just run all over the court and get way find ways to get open. In an ideal world, if I was help, if I was like in shape, that would be me. But it's never gonna happen. So yeah. So watching uh, watching a guy like Buddy Healed, Shamit, JJ Redick. I love watching those kind of players. So I love watching the Kings. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I'd be kind of surprised if they did, if they missed it. If they missed it, it's going to be all these tight losses they've been having. They feel like they've lost every game against a good team by like two points, and it's rough. But they won a really big game against Oklahoma City, and they could turn the corner at any moment and really just kind of win these hard games. So I'm really looking forward to that game. That should be a good one. I think we should get to Twitter questions.
0: Yeah, uh, so well, we, we don't have that many the Oscars are on actually a couple of them are about the Oscars. But anyway, <laughs> uh, from at giants on the moon are docs rotations written in pen. Have you ever seen doc change a rotation to take advantage of a mismatch or potential mismatch mismatch? Yeah. I think half of this is right and half of this isn't. I think the docs rotations written in pen, I think is kind of incorrect in that I think he's experimented a ton this year, sometimes too much. But I do think he doesn't adjust in quite the right ways. Like, I think the Zubats-Trez thing, for example, I think should be like a game-by-game basis, where if you're playing against a big-body center like Jokic, maybe you start with Zubats, and if he's not good, you switch to Trez. If you're playing against a team that's going smaller, just start Trez right from the get-go. But I don't think they're written in pen, but I do think he sometimes is... At, at the same time too set in his ways in some ways and too willing to abandon good proven lineups in others I, it's confusing
1: <laughs> it's tough because you sometimes see doc make these little lineup changes like if there is a particular guard he wants to defend he'll bring in Darius thornwell if there's a longer player he wants to defend sometimes he'll bring in somebody like ty wallace like you see some little matchups that he uses uh little adjustments he can use in certain games it's not like he doesn't make any in-game adjustments sometimes he just flips his lineups too too much just looking for things to stick and even then I think that necessarily isn't adjusting to the other team as much as it is like oh no this this combination isn't working let me try this combination that's a really tempting thing to do with a team this deep but I, I wouldn't say he doesn't make any any particularly you know um in lineup game changes to certain matchups he does. Uh I just think that he has certain guys he trusts more. And he gets that trust quickly, either from from watching their games, thinking they're fits with the team, or going with um, you know just going with what feels right, you know, I think he has certain intuition that he that he falls on. It's kind of like an old-school coaching mentality where he has some of that where he's like, this guy should play more minutes. I trust him. The whole Avery Bradley thing is, is a huge argument there. You know, he does that a lot. So it's kind of give and take. I don't think Doc doesn't make in-game adjustments, but I definitely think he trusts more guys more than he should and will put them in bad matchups because of that.
0: Yeah. The only guy this season... Who's absolutely should have a set role and a set number of minutes is Blue Williams. And honestly, he doesn't play enough. Uh right. he's the Clippers best player. Uh fine next fine. question from uh Evan Scrimshaw. Preferred outcome. 18th overall pick goes to Boston. Clips lose in four to Golden State or nine seed and keep the 14th overall pick. Uh honestly, probably still uh the playoffs, even if it's a sweep to the Warriors, I mean The 14th pick in this draft probably isn't going to be very good. I think if you just said, or nine seed, and then you have a chance in the lottery to move up, I'd probably take that. If you already know you're getting the 14th pick, I'd probably just take the playoffs, even if it's a route.
1: Yeah, I'd probably still take the playoffs, though objectively, it's hard to like objectively argue with this. The idea that lose, you know, if if we keep the pick and then get Kawhi or some box office person next year and then our pick next year is like you know 24 or 22 or something obviously that's better you know so it's and i don't know so much about next year's draft and everything but that's a lot of spots to go down and give that pick away for so it's hard to objectively say that it's not better to keep the pick but i want to see the team make the playoffs i think it's invaluable for the team even if it's against the warriors if the Clippers can somehow win one game against the Warriors in the postseason, it'll be worth it, man. So
0: yeah. 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 Uh, next question is from uh, Clips Nation editor, Sabrina Merchant. Uh, why aren't you watching the Oscars? Uh, <laughs> one, it's so- I don't like, I don't like award shows. And two, I don't watch movies ever. I, <laughs> I think I've seen like four movies in the theaters this year and I don't think a single one of them. Is like oscar worthy so that's
1: why i mean the best reason to watch a, a thing like the oscars or the grammys or whatever the golden globes is when you're with like a bunch of your friends you're getting Drinking. kind of you're getting kind of drunk and yeah. you're just kind of laughing at everybody and they're they're drunken they're drunkenness and just all these little minutiae that sneak around in the oscars with celebrities acting semi-normal you know uh so that's the only good thing about the oscars i'm in iowa nobody here wants to do that so i'm recording a podcast
0: (laughs) yeah i'm 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 in california but i'm in the bay area and alone in my house so uh yeah Uh, we're pretty sad and yeah anyway (laughs) uh next question from at my clippers why do you hate art and beauty i think this is also about the oscars uh i'm honestly legitimately not like the biggest movie fan not because i don't like movies but uh, just because i don't really have the time to watch them very much and don't have anybody to really watch them with uh which is just makes me sound very depressing Yeah, but, it's sad
1: uh, this is a sad yeah. podcast it, it gets even sad oh the
0: next question makes it worse it's uh, from that uh <laughs> oh, bill uh de filippo I, I think that's how you pronounce your name sorry he's a friend of mine on twitter uh <laughs> what happens when we die <laughs> is that question? <laughs> uh, so this one, we only have a couple minutes left. But oh, I no, say
1: I would love to talk about this. No, this, keep
0: going. We'll, you know, we'll bookmark this for the next podcast. Yeah. But my short answer is that uh, I think there's nothing after when we die. <laughs> oh, my and God. Just, we just like rot. And yeah, it's not a very uh, uplifting afterlife. So I don't believe in one. So I think we all just die and, and things are sad. Though depending on how depressed you are in, in life, maybe death is, you know. Not that much of a a downgrade, but for me, you know, I like living. I like living. I don't want to die. (laughs) Oh my uh, God. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think anything happens. So yeah, that's a very depressing view of the afterlife. Yo, whatever you believe in the afterlife, just
1: believe in it. Do good things because of it. The whole, you know, Nietzsche thing, God is dead because we killed him. It's because you got to do good things, man. That's it. I think that's it. Be positive. Shea Gilders Alexander is going to be an all-star for many years.
0: All star, all defense. All okay. defense.
1: Who needs Kawhi? No, I need Kawhi. Please come, Kawhi. Uh,
0: the last question. We have like thirty seconds. Uh, how would you like Clips to replace Tobias as the focal point of the offense? I they think you have to. Lou Williams. Be- Lou Williams. <laughs> it's the only answer. They need to play Lou a lot. They need to ride him hard. He should have the ball. He should touch the ball probably every single possession.
1: Yeah, ride him hard. Go Clippers. <laughs>